Hi, this is Kelsey, and you are listening to Foot of the Cross. Today, I would really like to go into something that's been bothering me. I know that other people that do broadcast, I mean, I'm sorry, podcasting, have very expensive microphones, but I don't at the moment. And for some of you that listen to me, I would really hope that if you can't understand me, that you would message me and let me know that, look, Chelsea, I would love to listen to your podcast, but I've tried, and the sound's just not any good, and we can't understand what you're saying. So please, if the sound on my podcast is bad, please message me either on Facebook or send a message right here on Breaker, the company that I'm using, or or to Spotify under Chelsea Hallow and to let me know that the sound is bad and that I need to change it. I went back and I listened to a couple of my podcasts that I've done And every time I went to a different thing to listen to it, like Spotify, for instance, yes, it sounded better, but I still couldn't make out everything that I was saying. So please, get involved and let me know if there's a problem so that I can do something about it. I can't say it enough, you know, but anyway, so this past Sunday, the march that they had for George Floyd on the University of Alabama campus went great, there was no violence, and people did what they had to do, and they said what they had to say, and it went a little bit past curfew, So police had to get involved in getting people off of the streets. But other than that, and I wasn't surprised at all, there was no violence in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And I was so proud of the county that I live in because other counties cannot say that. Now I'm not talking about all of them, but marches that took place for George Floyd really only took place in big counties, big cities, things like that, and the reason why it happened in Tuscaloosa, Alabama was because it happened in Birmingham an hour away, and the board said, well, let's go ahead and do one here too. They did such a good job. And had they done that at all the other protests for George Floyd, among others that have been killed by officers or whatnot, I mean, you know, I said it before and I'll say it again. It led to looting. I mean, what does breaking into Target throwing a brick through the window 
and stealing stereo systems have to do with the death of a black man by the hands of an officer. Did you know that there was four shootings in Tuscaloosa, Alabama over the weekend alone? That's why I put it up on my Facebook page on a post. I was being sort of sarcastic, but at the same time, I was being for real. We are in a strange time, guys. I wrote down, I said, hopefully I can make it to town, grab a waffle, run my errands, and get back home without getting shot. And this young man wrote underneath on a comment site and said to me, is it really that bad? And I said, not yet, but yes, we're almost there. Two girls, I don't know their race, but it doesn't matter. They went to Lake Orleans. And if some of you that listen to my podcast aren't from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and don't know what Lake Orleans is, it's a swimming hole that we go to. Well, more than a swimming hole because it's built by the city. And they have a shallow end and a deep end, and then they've got picnic tables, and they've got a little store you can buy stuff from, and they have parking spaces for campers for $10 a night, and then they allow you to have bonfires, etc. They allow you to set up tents, go camping, and even though I live on the lake, I've taken my kids to that place every summer that we were in Alabama. Because you gotta remember, when I was married to my husband, Travis, we traveled everywhere due to the fact that he's an iron worker. So whenever we were here, you know, it's fun to swim on our beach, but it can get lonely sometimes. And if the kids wanted to be around other children, Lake Lurling was the closest place to go to do that, where they could build sand castles with other kids their age, and I could talk to other moms my age, and possibly sit back and drink a beer, you know, and have a little date with a guy uh, the next weekend, and come back and have a good time, and uh, try to get to know them, you know, and now... I'm like, I don't even know if I should go there at all. Two girls, like I said, went in. Don't know the race, doesn't matter. But only one came out, and the other one came out in an ambulance. Why? Because they got into a stupid argument. I don't know over what, but I don't care what it was over. Because nothing can be this bad. Apparently, they were not just friends, but best friends, and they went to Lake Lurleen alone, planning on having a great day together. An argument that they started having on the beach led to them going to the bathroom to get privacy so that nobody else heard their argument. The next thing you knew, everyone heard a gunshot. One of the gals pulled out a gun 
and shot the other. What is going on? What is happening? And how can we make it stop? I've always been for people being able to carry a weapon. But you know what though? It's going to make me go the other way if people keep abusing their power. Because now I'm seeing people abusing their power. Not just policemen, and I know that they're people too, but you understand what I'm saying, right? Right now, we're going crazy because the police have been abusing their power. And now, people are abusing their power. Whether it's in the march about George Floyd's death, or if it's, you know, people going crazy because of the curfews going on from COVID-19, which, thank God, is quickly, you know, they're, they're trying to get life back to normal as quickly as possible, even though there was a huge spike in numbers for COVID-19 in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, like we've never seen before. We went from having hardly any to tons. Five or Five of our own Alabama football team players has the coronavirus. They're hospitalized right now, so I heard, over the sports radio. And they can't practice this season until they are completely healthy. But none of them had it, and then they practiced every day, so they got it from someone. But anyway, back to my point though, are we really this crazy? I believe in standing up for yourself and standing up for another, for a good cause. But this has gone far and beyond. And those weren't just the only shots that happened. There was three other gunshots over the weekend. None of which happened at the rally on the quad at the University of Alabama, the march for George Floyd. But I'm talking about random gun attacks. Another one happened on 17th Street, which is close to 15th Street. And 15th Street is close to, like, University Mall and the entrance to get to the University of Alabama if you go over the railroad tracks. So, we're not talking about a certain type of race here or anything like that. I'm just talking about guns and gunshots in general. Because it is getting ridiculous, isn't it? I'm trying to talk to my kids about this stuff the best that I know how.
And when they ask me if they can do something, like go to the mall, I'm scared at the moment. And I'm not going to lie about that or try to act brave because I would be lying. That's just not true. It's not. When I was younger, I knew that there was some bad areas that I shouldn't go into. Like the west side. The west side was not a good area to go to because there were hookers over there hooking themselves out for crack, cocaine, or for heroin. But mostly cocaine. Second. Sorry about that. But anyway, mo mostly cocaine though, because heroin is really being sold out of places like Birmingham and Bessemer, which is a little city outside of Birmingham. What's funny is that, uh, the other methadone clinic I went to was in Bessemer. And any time I took a friend with me that was going to the same clinic, they would say, my dealer lives six houses down from the methadone clinic. And I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> so I do know the bad areas of town. However, every single day that I read the news, it feels like it spreads, you know, like a virus. You just don't know how people are going to react these days, you know. So if I go into, let's say, a McDonald's or a Hardee's and they get my order wrong, I'm not fixing a scream at them. Because you just don't know how people are going to react anymore. And I'm not saying that I used to scream. I'm just making a point. That it is getting that scary. You would rather walk out with your cold food, warm it up when you get home, rather than give the person problems about the way they cook it because you don't know how people are going to react anymore. And it is scary. The thought of it is scary. This is not the world that I prepared for my kids to live in at all. And it's frightening. Father God, I just want to take this moment. I pray over my family. And one, I want to thank you so much for keeping us safe. For protecting each of my family members. I mean, it's been me, my daughter Nevaeh, my son Braden, my father Tom, and my mom Debbie. And then there's me. And we all were trapped inside during the COVID-19 lockdown. That's one, two, 
three, four, five, six people. We all had to stay in different rooms. We all had to continuously wash our hands and keep the counters and the sink and the dishes and the cups all clean as much as possible. We couldn't, or at least didn't, watch any movies together because we thought it was better that we were all separated because each of us had different things that we had to do. So therefore, each of us were people. So when one of us would get home, we're like, nope, go to your room. <laughs> like me, I have to go to the methadone clinic every single morning. And yes, they do do the six to eight feet rule, which is why it takes so long for me to get up there to go. I mean, sometimes, especially on Mondays, the line goes around the block, and it's so funny. Well, it, it's funny now, but me and my dad get over there. Now, may I remind you, I have an 8.30 appointment, okay? And this was the day before yesterday. So, I get over there at 7, 10, a.m. on the dot. Plenty enough time, I told myself, to go and then to go to my psychiatrist appointment. So, what happens? The line goes around the block and past the, almost past anyway, the cemetery that's next door. So they're sitting on top of people's graves in order to be in line. And I said, what number are you on? Because we're all giving out numbers when there's that many people. And they said, oh, honey, <laughs> number five is dosing. And they gave me a number, and I said, what's my number? And they said, you are 217. So <laughs> imagine that. Okay, number four was dosing, and I was number 217. So me and my dad ran some errands, and we knew that there was no way if I sat there waiting to dose that I was going to make my 8.30 appointment. So he drives me to my 8.30 appointment, and we get over there at 8 a.m., because we only had one stop on the way there. And it's still early because, you know, we thought that we were going to dose and then get over there by 8.30 in time for my appointment. Well, it worked out this way because when I get there, the office clerk got there at 8 a.m. And I got there about 7.55. So Dad was like, oh great, we got to wait for them to get here. And I said, yeah, well, we got here really early. So the clerk gets there. She goes, I'm just now turning on the computers on, turning on the phones. And then I was going to start calling all of my 830 appointments. And I said, oh no. <laughs> and she goes, we're changing 
all the 8.30 appointments to 2.30 this afternoon. I was like, what? You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> so, there was nothing I could do about it when the doctor has an emergency, you know. <laughs> except for say, okay. I said, all right, we'll be back at 2.30. And my dad's like, nope, your mom's going to have to drive you back in town. So I get back over to the methadone clinic after my dad ran a few more errands so that his errands would be completely done, you know, and uh, we get over there, and I said, what number are y'all at? And they said, I'm 219, and I said, well, I get in front of you. So, literally, I got back to the methadone clinic just in time. To be able to get in front of 219 when I was number 217. Because uh, 216 was inside dosing. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> 218 was inside dosing and 219 was behind me. And when you have a number that's before them, you get to cut back, especially if you left for a while. But if I hadn't have left, I would have been standing in that line for a long time, buddy. Because it's getting that crazy. With the coronavirus going on, we all have to wear masks to go dose over there. And then they put this um, alcohol stuff all over your body when you enter. Then you have to take put gloves on to take your medicine. And we each get our temperature checked, <laughs> which is so crazy because they have to use the ones that they roll across your forehead uh, to get the line moving faster, and I'm sure they already know this, but hello, it's just like one day, my temperature was almost 103, I mean, I was real sick. And yes, I went to go get checked for COVID-19 because it was during that time when everybody was spe speculating whether or not they had it. So, of course, I went to go get checked and didn't have it. But anyway, fact of the matter is, though, is that when she did the forehead thing, it showed that my fever was 98.9. And I was honest with her. I said, look, the, the oil one that you put in your mouth showed me that my temp was 102.5 before I left the house. And she said, well, because we can't prove it, we got to let you in. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I said, okay, well, it's on you if anybody gets sick. I'm glad that things are opening up again. I really am, but uh, <laughs> I still don't feel like things are the same right now, you know. I feel like the world has had to go from one chaos to another, and it just never slows down, you know. It's like you can never get off the merry-go-round for a second. It just keeps turning and turning and turning. So, me and my family, we've all gone into a little bit of a slump, and we're trying real hard. 
especially with my two children that need us very much. My daughter's going to be 16 in July. Then I've got my son who's 13. And he won't be 14 until December, but that's besides the point. Poor thing. My daughter had a beautifully themed birthday since the day, <laughs> you know, I had a baby shower. Not even her first birthday, but a baby shower. Every single party of hers has been themed and has been beautiful. And then you've got my son, and because his birthday, he was due on Christmas Day. And it's a cool story, actually. Um, I knew, I planned to get induced on the 14th because I wanted to be home by Christmas. There's lots of people that say, oh, I want, I want a Christmas baby. No, you don't, because the kid gets screwed out of having birthday parties. Nobody has the money right then to come to your house and give your son presents. And then there's holiday parties going on. So hardly anyone can make it to his party. And that's when we started doing things like letting him have one friend stay the night. We'd get tons of pizza, take him to the movies, take him to a huge, you know, arcade place and let just let him go nuts <clears throat> but uh yeah he was induced december 14 2006 and i told my husband travis i said get nevaeh dressed we are going to go do photos and he said are you serious and i said i told you i wanted to get pregnant photos done before i had this baby i said it's not like i'm in labor well we took these beautiful, beautiful Prego photos taken, okay, and it was just at, um, I believe it was like at Sears or something, because it was part of the mall in San Antonio, Texas, where we were. That's where I got married to Travis, because his father was a foreman on the job. And had him come down there and I said, look, if you can handle the work for six months and you're making good money, I'll follow you down there and marry you. And that's exactly what happened. And I had already had my daughter who, who had her first birthday actually in San Antonio, Texas at Chuck E. Cheese with the Doric Vortex. Um, she was only 10 months old, you know, when Travis met us, and he fell in love with her before he fell in love with me, which I thought was beautiful, but anyway, point is, is that, uh, I'm standing there, and they said, look, tell you what, because you're being induced today, we're going to let you do where Travis comes up to you, puts his arms around you, and you're showing your wedding ring and you put it over your stomach so I did all these poses the next thing I know I'm sweating so bad it was like someone put me under a waterfall okay <laughs> and I'm like okay let's move it along I said pregnancy is crazy I've got to go so they took three more beautiful shots and I ended up with a perfect Prego package from Sears. A 
couldn't have been happier. The top I bought was green, and I never wear green, but it was a gorgeous white, um, almost pirate slash hippie sleeves, you know, and uh, a green bow tied around the back and everything. No, it tied around the front. And then had not ruffles, but you know, like a scrunchy type of material around the neck a little bit. Anyway, it was gorgeous, and I had my makeup done and everything. I did not look like I was just going to give birth at all, except for my size, hello. Because my baby boy was, you know, nearly... <laughs> He was nearly, he was, he was like 10.5 pounds, put it that way, okay? And that's big for me because I was small, small, small. And not only that, but the epidural they gave me only numbed half of my body. And they said, oh, the anesthesiologist will be here in an hour because we were, even though we were in San Antonio, the hospital I gave birth at was in this little town right next to it. So the anesthesiologist was at, was at his house almost an hour away. So when he got there to give me an epidural, I was already three centimeters apart and screaming my head off. But here's the twist. Remember when I was sweating and everything at Walmart? Yeah. I was already a couple centimeters apart, and I didn't need anyone to induce me. That baby was coming out on his own. So I get to the hospital. I said, I want my drugs. And they said, all right, we're going to call and wake up the anesthesiologist and get him on his way. And I said, what do you mean on his way? <laughs> I said, I want my drugs. And then the next thing that happened, they put this pillow around my arm that I could bite down on, and the nurse's arm was underneath it, and she screamed, and I didn't know why she screamed, and I lifted up the pillow. My teeth marks had gone through the pillow and into her arm, and my contractions were staying on top the entire time. I was almost able not to get the epidural at all. Um, I was very close to four, and they said, we're going to do it, but we shouldn't be this close. And I said, look, I'll sign something, okay, where you're not liable, but give me the effing drugs now. And they said, yes, ma'am. And then, of course, it only numbed half of me. I could not believe it. I was in hell y'all because my daughter came out six hours later you could have caught her like a football hello and she she was six pounds and perfect and the epidural didn't go wrong at all i mean i i seriously shaved took a shower and everything before i went to the hospital it was a beautiful beautiful day to give birth to a beautiful baby girl Woke up at 6 a.m. and I said, I peed in my pants and my mom said, no, that's not baby, you're having a baby. <laughs>
How did I go from that to that? I have no idea. But anyway. My point with all of this, guys, is that I'm a mother of two kids. And when I watch all this stuff on the news today, I don't know what to tell them anymore. And you know what? For those of you who think you can save your little kids from watching the news and stuff, you are very naive and you're lying to yourself because with all the things like, not, I don't even think they call it the internet anymore. It's just the web, honey, because if you have a phone, you can look up anything. Anything. I've played around with Google before where you're asking it questions. And when I said, Google, how can I wire a bomb? It came up with all these different ways to do it. <laughs> and I practiced a few other things and then realized, you know what? I don't want all this stuff on my record. Never mind. <laughs> because I said, with my luck, something's going to happen to a family member and then they're going to come and handcuff me thinking I did it. <laughs> That's why you got to be careful with your searches, because you never know. I've seen that show ID a lot, because I'm into all the forensic science stuff and everything, right? So, I'm watching this one, and this lady, she's only 27 years old, and she's engaged to this gorgeous hunk. I can't remember their names, it doesn't matter. But they love going kayaking. And they are they were planning on having their wedding underneath the historic uh, landmarks around the Hudson River because they're so beautiful. It's almost like you're in New Mexico because everything is made out of like it's statues, but it looks like it's made out of mud. And there's even a walkway for the bride and groom to go under. And it wasn't made for that, but that's not the point. fact is, is that all these boulders and muddy uh, statues uh, that are now solid sand are all over the place. And it is gorgeous. You should look it up sometime in a specific place called something and I can't think of the name but that's where they were going to have their wedding at and they were three months away from getting married and yes they had had problems like any couple does but theirs was a little bit different because he had the sex toys and he watched porn with her and sometimes you know, she would feel uncomfortable because she wanted certain things in the bedroom that she was not okay with doing. That does not make her a murderer, though. She had never been arrested, had never even seen a psychiatrist before. <clears throat> and she had been talking to her mom about calling the wedding off because 
didn't feel like maybe he was the right fit. But she still loved him very much because they were best friends for a long time because before they got involved. Well, 911 gets a phone call and it's her and she says, please come quick. It's storming really bad now. I'm on the Hudson River. She gave him the location. You know, because, I mean, it's like, hello, which part? <laughs> uh, she, she gave him the, whatchamacallit, I can't think right now, but, you know, the destination with the numbers and everything. Coordinates. She gave him the coordinates, told him where they were, and she said, my husband, my fiancé was in a different kayak as me, and it filled up with water. And he had flipped over, and the kayak instantly acted like it was heading towards a, you know, when something's heading towards a waterfall, it goes faster and faster. Well, the canoe is, I mean, the kayak is way ahead of him, and he is going to further and further away from her. Um, his paddle's in the water, she can't get to it, so that... And the only thing she could do was try to use her own paddle to paddle towards him, but it didn't do any good. He kind of went over the side, a very, very small drop, and the fact is, is that it wasn't until a month and a half later that they found his body. And it was a horrible situation for her because... They get down there, and I mean, the helicopter people, they were like, these were people that obviously thought that they had what they were supposed to have for that day. They were in shorts and t-shirts with hoodies on that zip up, you know, in case it got chilly, which of course it did. The water was 30 degrees, okay? So, um hello, you know, if you're in there in the water for more than, let's say, 20 or 30 minutes, you're hypothermic and you're, if that's the right word, I'm not thinking. But you know what I mean, though, okay? Um, you're going to die. And I'm like, okay, it's obvious that dude is dead because you cannot stay in that water. It's like Titanic, you know? Except she definitely would have had enough room for him to get on her kayak. But there was no way for her to get to him. And if she got out of her kayak, she would have put herself in danger. And she would have died trying to save him, okay? But they had sandwiches packed and everything. So this was not expert. The only time that they had ever in our kayaks out there was when it was beautiful weather and there was no waves. There were tons of waves. The helicopter couldn't even stay still, you know, to try to search for his body. But uh, they didn't like the fact that she was so calm. They hated that. And I'm like, are you stupid? She looks like she's in shock. She's not calm. 
And, uh, anyways, that kid was that. And I say that she killed her husband. And they kept pressing her and pressing her, saying, come on. Please be honest with us. Y'all haven't been getting along. Is that right? And she said, well, our relationship hasn't been great. Because I've been reconsidering marrying him. But I didn't want him dead. And she said it over and over that she didn't do it. But finally, they got her to say. And this is after hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of talking to her in the investigation room. Where the guys are tagging out and everything. Saying it's your turn. And finally they get her to say, yes, I felt a little bit relieved on some type of mental level when he was gone. That one sentence implicated her and they were able to arrest her for the murder of her fiance. There was no body, nothing. So they put her in jail and they went back to her and said, we searched the entire apartment. Did you know that he had guns? And she said, yes. They said, have you ever touched his guns? And she said, no, never. They said, did you know that he had one missing? And she said, no. They put it in the papers and everything. Possible gunshot victim. Um, fiance was killed at the Hudson River by fiance. And finally... They get a call about a body, and it's not his. And four more calls come in over the next couple months. Oh, my God. They found five bodies before they found his, which I'm sorry is funny, because that just comes to show you how many accidents truly do happen there, okay? Those other bodies, they later said, were missing bodies from, like, boat wrecks or whatever, right? And I'm like, hello, why? Let that girl go already. But no. That when they found the canoe and when they finally found his body, they saw that there was no gunshot wound, so she was right that she didn't shoot him. Then the coroner said, uh, there was no struggle whatsoever. He had water in his lungs, so she wrote down drowning. But the police officer and the detective were standing there while she was writing down her notes. And they told her that the plug to his canoe was missing. And so while they're feeding her these lines, she fills out the report, dies from plug being removed, causing the kayak to sink. And then led to drowning, which led to his death. So the coroner herself implicated her by doing that, okay? The trial comes, they find her guilty, and the paper reads that the fiancé was killed because the girl removed the plug, James Bond style. Hello, first of all. You would have to know that it was going to rain and storm that day for water to get in. Secondly, where the hole is that the plug goes into is very up high. So she would have to have been smart enough 
that there was going to go be waves, okay, the planning and the timing would have taken her forever. And she was a dick. She was a normal girl that wanted a beautiful white wedding one day with the man of her dreams. And just because he wasn't it does not mean that she killed the guy. The judge did not like her at all because she didn't show a lot of emotion. And I think it was because she was so in shock and she didn't know how anyone wanted her to act anymore. So she didn't feel like crying. She wasn't going to cry for these people. But the judge scared her so bad and said, I'm disappointed in you. You are a manipulator. You manipulate everyone around you. You haven't told us the truth not one time. And unless you take a plea, I don't feel you see this going good for you if it goes to trial. So she takes the two-year deal and got out in a year and a half and had to spend the last six months in one of those Christian camp places with cabins and stuff with other girls. And I think that's just horrible. We have real murderers walking around and then we lock up someone like her. Five bodies were found before her fiance's body was. I just thought that was an incredible story. I mean, have you ever seen a headline like that? Husband killed because wife removed plug. First of all, the mother had even said, you know what? The last time they went kayaking together, she told her fiance right in front of her mom, you ought to get that fixed or something could happen one day. And he said, honey, it's too hot. Water can't get to it, baby. Don't worry about it. And we go kayaking. It's not like we're on a riverboat or something where we have to worry. And she said, okay, you're right. But anyway, if they had known about the storm conditions, they should have worn wetsuits, which would have kept them from drowning because that 30-degree cold weather, you know, he could have made it alive. There was no rocks for him to hit, nothing. So really, he died from hypothermia. But my point is, is that we live in a world with all this chaos right now. I'm trying to teach my children because my daughter's going to be driving soon how to be if she gets approached by a police officer and what to say and how to be respectful towards them even though you've never met them in your life. And I said, here's the real kicker. He's never met you in his life. So, you can't be too this and you shouldn't be that. And you've got to be a little bit of this, but you can't be a little bit of that. And it's crazy. It's like we're in the past all over again. The police are scared. And we're scared. And it's not even having to do with race anymore. I watched this one video where this woman was going into her apartment building. 
and this black man behind her who was dressed very nice. I think he was wearing Swarovski, for God's sake. And <laughs> he had, you know, the shoes with the tassels on them and everything. He looked so sharp. So when she pushed in her key number on the keypad and opened the door, he he was trying to come in right behind her and she goes, excuse me, why don't you punch in your own keypad? And he said, um, excuse me, I live here and I have groceries in my hands. And she said, you're not entering into this building. And he said, um, who are you? And she said, I'm a neighbor here. And she had her little poodle and you could just tell this girl was so stuck up. She puts her arm out where he couldn't get by, and finally, 20 minutes later, he shoves by her, and she goes, did you see that, you guys? She's talking to her video phone, and she said, he pushed me. I'm probably going to have a bruise on my arm. He barely touched the girl, and what does she do? She follows him onto the elevator, well, actually... She raced him because she wasn't going to let him on. But he gets on with his dog. I mean, they both had dogs. So it's like you would think that she was a pretty girl. You would think she would say, what kind of dog do you have? You know? No. She's totally scared of this man. You can tell she's so racist. It's not even funny. And you can tell that she's a complete snob. And she goes, I don't believe you live here for one second, and I'm going to follow you to what friend you're going to go see, so that I can tell your friend later that you are not welcome here. Well, that's not for her to decide. He said, do you own this building? She goes, no. He said, do you do maintenance on this building? She said, no. And then he goes, are you like the supervisor or the super that takes things on the apartment complex and she said no he said then what right lady do you have to follow me she goes I'm a concerned citizen she follows him she watched him get his keys and open the door and her mouth dropped to the floor she never apologizes and he goes my name is Mr. Tucker and if you ever bother me again I'm calling the police and I'm getting a restraining order. And she goes, oh my God. And then he closes his door. And it was so crazy because when they were close to the door, he goes, and if I am a neighbor, what are you going to do? She goes, well, I want to get to know you. He said, well, I do not want to get to know you. As if they're ever going to sit down and have chips and dip together. So there's another story for you where you can learn a lesson from it, okay? You've got to be careful out there. And I am trying so hard to do right by my kids, but every time I turn around, it is something new. Let's see, okay. One thing I can do today. Around one second. And I'm so glad I'm back doing my podcast. 
because I did take a long break there and actually lost one of my listeners. And it was sad because I need more listeners. So you guys, please spread the word about my podcast. You know, every single one is completely different than the other one. I don't believe in sticking to the same subject and bringing it up over and over. Other podcasters, they call themselves, for instance, a sports podcast or a, uh, or like, um, a meditation podcast or a book reading podcast. To me, I just put under there and said, under options, and said Christian, Christian podcast. And the discussions and topics change every single time. And it's fun to do it up like that. So just hold on one second. We're going to read Psalms. The book of Psalms. I can find it. This Bible tends to get sticky because it's so new. I don't like brand new Bibles because they're not worn in yet. You can just flip it to where you want to, you know? Give me one second. If I see all red to read more, I will. I go by the Holy Spirit. I truly do. That's what the Holy Spirit's for. To tell you when you're fixing to do something bad. To tell you when something's not a good idea. And if you really listen with your heart to the Holy Spirit, tell you, or she, I've always kind of thought in a way that the Holy Spirit was a woman, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Okay, I found Psalms, I'm just trying to find the verse now. (laughs) Okay. Psalms 10. Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In his arrogance, the wicked man hunts down the weak. Wow. This is hitting right on point. This is right on point, you guys. Who are caught to the schemes he devises? He boasts about the cravings of his heart. He blesses the greedy and reviles the Lord. In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. His ways are always prosperous. Your laws are rejected by him. He sneers at all his enemies. Wow. He says to himself, nothing will ever shake me, he swears. No one will ever do me harm. His mouth is full of lies and threats. Amen. 
Trouble and evil are under his tongue. He lies in wait near the villages. From ambush he murders the innocent. Phew, I'm getting chills. His eyes watch in secret for his victims. Like a lion in cover, he lies in wait. The lies in wait to catch the helpless. He catches the helpless and drags them off in his net. <laughs> his victims are crushed. They collapse. They fall under his strength. He says to himself, God will never notice. He covers his face and never speaks. Also, Okay, arise, Lord, lift up your hand, O God. Do not forget the helpless. Why does the wicked man revile God? Why does he say to himself, he won't call me to account? But you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider the grief, and I take it in hand. The victims comment themselves to you. Oh, the victims commit themselves to you. Break the arm of the wicked man. Not literally, you guys. <laughs> Call the evildoer to account for his wickedness that would not otherwise be found out. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations will perish from his land. You, Lord, Hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage him and you will listen to okay. Sorry. Okay. Okay. You encourage them and you listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed, so that mere earthly mortals will never again strike terror. I'm going to go on to Psalms 11 because that was just incredible. Don't you feel like, I mean, my goodness, and time's almost up, so I'm going to hurry. In the Lord I take refuge, hallelujah. How then can you say to me, flee like a bird to your mountain? For look. The wicked band their bow. They set their arrows against strength to shoot from the shadows. At the upright in heart, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. He observes everyone on earth. His eyes examine them. The Lord examines the righteousness 
with the wicked, those who love violence, he hates with the passion. On the wicked he will rain, fury coals and burning sulfur, scorching wind will be their lot. For the Lord is righteous, he loves justice, the upright will see his face. Amen, amen, amen. You're listening to the foot of the cross with Chelsea Hallow. Thank you for listening.